Mindfulness Mode 520. I have a feeling that what we're looking at is not necessarily a diagnosis of autism in many cases, but really dealing with a highly sensitive nervous system. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. It's great to have you with us today. Hey, I want to share some feedback from my listeners that I've recently received. Uh, I just received an email recently from a woman in the UK and she said, you know, I'm finding out that when I'm with my kids, I'm out with my kids during this uh, coronavirus uh, situation in open areas near our house even though we're keeping our distance I'm having lots of lovely interactions with strangers all of us offering comfort and talking about these strange times so maybe that'll be the shift when the fear is gone greater community all the best to you and yours isn't that a great positive thought that when the fear is gone, we'll have a greater sense of community. And I hope that is true. You know, Mindful Tribe, I hope you're doing well as we move through this. And I also received a note from a gentleman in the U.S. Thanks for the guided meditation of confidence you recorded. It was March 27th. It was exactly the right thing to help me get calm and grounded and especially help me feel some confidence with all this. It's really great to help each other, isn't it, through this and to hopefully give each other some confidence, even though it's a very serious issue. And I hope you're taking it seriously and, you know, keeping your distance and staying at home and doing all the things that we need to do to to bring down the curve. I also hope you're able to do some mindfulness practices wherever you are, whether that means deep breathing taking time for gratitude, meditation, focused exercise, writing. All of those activities can help you right now. Maybe you'd like to get on my mailing list because those comments came from people who received some of my writings that I that I write and share on my mailing list. So you can do that. All you have to do is go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash calm c-a-l-m and one of the things i do is i send you an infographic called calm your busy mind and then that will get you onto my email list and you can always just email me bruce at mindfulnessmode.com if you have a comment you want to share a story you can just ask me to put you on on my email list and i'll be glad to do it it's so great to be here with you today and Oh, yeah, I recorded today's interview on March 11th, just before the pandemic was announced, and I enjoyed talking to my guests so much about her life as an empath. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview, Mindful Tribe. Hey, Mindful Tribe, have you ever had that experience of walking into the room and you just felt like you had a feeling that there was stuff going on and maybe there was negativity? Maybe you met with somebody and you could just feel these vibes. Well, maybe you're an empath. I think to a certain degree, I think we all are empaths. But today I have an empath with me and I'm so excited to talk about Lola. She's a leading authority on boundaries and nervous system resilience for introverts and oh this is going to be an interesting chat. I have Lola Pickett with me today. Hey Lola are you in mindfulness mode today? I am right now yes indeed. 
That is awesome. I know you're passionate about using your expertise to help others so that they can prevent sacrificing themselves because that's what sometimes happens. And you're the founder of something very interesting, Empathology Method. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that. And also, you're the author of the Wild Messengers Tarot. And do I pronounce it tarot like that? Like- I believe so. I mean, there's a there's a, a couple different camps, but I don't think you're going to get it wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, what Lola does mindfulness mean to you? I've really been thinking about this question a lot, preparing for this conversation. And to me, mindfulness means we're able to pay attention to the thoughts that are happening in our mind and not necessarily believe them, not necessarily follow them, but just to practice that separation between the thinker and the thoughts and having that that spaciousness, which helps keep us from getting reactive in our lives, which I think is like one of those awesome benefits of meditation, right? It's like all of a sudden we're not reacting anymore, we're responding. And to me, that's what mindfulness is. It's being in full awareness of what's happening in your mind as much as you possibly can anyway. And when did you first start meditating? I started practicing unofficially and irregularly back in high school. My mom got fascinated with Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And so we were reading a bunch of Thich Nhat Hanh and just exploring this idea of that kind of spiritual path and the presence that goes along with it and some of the practices. And I was a terrible meditator. I'm still a terrible meditator (laughs) by any traditional definition, right? Or by any rigid belief system around what meditation actually is. But I do have a regular practice now. So I've been, I've been at it for about, God, 30 years, Mm. give or take. (laughs) Right. And what does mindfulness look like in your life? What's it? What do you do? Uh, It looks like slowing down. I'm a parent of two kids, one of whom is on the autism spectrum. And it can be very easy to get reactive with them, to get short tempered and just frustrated. I'm an entrepreneur full time, married with these two kids, working from home. And so to me, what mindfulness offers to me is a chance to get really present with myself, take responsibility for the words that come out of my mouth, for the thoughts that are happening in my mind, and to not bring an agenda into my conversations with my kids, my husband, my clients, any anyone, to be in a state of full faith and presence. Do you find that someone on the spectrum possibly is more of an empath than some of the rest of us? Yeah, uh, I think that that's definitely what's happening. I have a whole theory around autism spectrum disorder and empathy, narcissism, where all of these things kind of intersect. But they are very, very closely correlated, if not directly related. And I know my son has a hard time processing all the information that's coming in for him, much like empaths do in many, many ways. It's just that it shows up for him a little bit differently. But yeah, he's practically psychic with the way that he's able to connect with what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm needing. Same with his sister, same with his friends. He's very perceptive about these things. So yeah, there's definitely a very tight relationship. Well, I'm I'm curious to hear more of your theory around yeah. this. Could you share that? 
Yeah. So these disorders on the autism spectrum are known as a spectrum, right? And mm. it's yes, it varies in degrees of intensity. Uh, and people are known as high functioning, which is kind of a controversial term these days, or not high functioning. And it's very similar with narcissism and empathy. Narcissism and empathy, I believe, are also on a spectrum. And so what we've got is folks who are in extremes on the autism spectrum, on the narcissistic spectrum, on the empathetic side. And when you're at the extreme end of any of these spectrums, you've got uh, dysfunctional behavior, essentially. You've got toxicity in both your health, your mental health, and in your behavioral adaptive choices. And what I notice with folks on the autism spectrum is that they're highly, highly sensitive, which means that they are more sensitive to sound, to light, to flavors, textures, feelings, clothing, anything, right, is really, really activating to their sensory system. And when you get higher on the empathy narcissism scale, you also have sensory processing issues. You have extreme sensitivities. You have difficulty separating what's yours and what's not yours. And this is overlaid almost as a parallel to what many folks on the higher end, supposedly, of the autism spectrum also experience. So I have a feeling that what we're looking at is not necessarily a diagnosis of autism in many cases, but really dealing with a highly sensitive nervous system. And the sources of that high sensitivity are where we really need to be looking both on the empath experience and also when we're looking at folks with autism spectrum disorder, why are the sensory gates so open? Why is the nervous system so easily agitated? what's going on behind it. Because if we can start to look at those root causes, we're going to be looking at a whole different scenario with how to address this topic. And it's becoming more and more um, widespread, both high sensitivity and autism. So why is that, right? I have my theories about that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm interested in how you came about to invent the empathology method. Yeah, yeah. So mindfulness is actually a big part of how all of my wildly successful business ideas actually take seat. Um, I listen very deeply to what's going on inside my body, but also what's going on in our culture, what's going on in my client population. And from that sensitivity, like that superpower that I have been gifted with, I really create exactly what is needed to address these root causes, exactly what I'm talking about behind the challenges of something like being an empath, where you easily get overwhelmed, you have anxiety, you have social issues many times because engaging with all these energies and emotions has a negative impact on your own mental wealth, health and well-being and wealth. That was not a Freudian slip. And so what happened a couple of years ago is I was seeing all of these patterns start to show up with my client population over and over again, patterns of perfectionism, patterns of procrastination, of people pleasing, of um, financial instability, of anxiety, of depression, of autoimmune issues, and all kinds of other health problems. And it was consistent. And it's very consistent in the population of folks who identify as empaths. 
And so I started to dig into why is it that these things are happening? And I found that there are some core pieces that are not being addressed in the traditional mental health field, as well as the um, uh, physical health and wellness fields. And coaching leaves these people high and dry most of the time, because it's just like, feel the fear and do it anyway, and you'll improve your life. Well, for the highly sensitive nervous system, you aren't able to feel the fear and do it anyway, because the fear is debilitating. Mm. And it's causing all of these other side effects to happen in our lives, like the anxiety and depression and health issues. So it's kind of an ableist statement to say to somebody who's sensitive, we'll just get over it, you know, toughen up. And that's something that most of us folks like me have heard our whole lives. You just need to get thicker skin. You need to toughen up. You're too sensitive. You take things too personally. None of these things are actually helpful in, in motivating someone to change their behavior. So as a coach, I'm also very interested in what does work to motivate people to change their behavior. That's what we're hired for, right? So I came up with this way of starting to teach people how to become more resilient, not just in their thinking, in their mindfulness, but in their actual nervous system physiology. How do we begin to change your physiology so that you can have better behaviors to create the life that you want? And in order to do that, you have to understand how your nervous system is working. What are your fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses? Mm -hmm. How are you going into these reactions? Are you having emotional flashbacks? And for those of you who have any familiarity with trauma work, a lot of it's going to sound really familiar because guess what? A sensitive nervous system is a traumatized nervous system. They're one and the same. So I ended up taking a lot of what's working in the trauma healing field Mm -hmm. and overlaying it into positive psychology, into mindfulness and creating this whole entire methodology around how do we create resilience in what I believe are society's best suited leaders, people with their hearts open, people who are able to feel other people's feelings and positions and have compassion How do I give these people an empowered resilience so that they can step up in leadership in their own lives? Yes, but also for the benefit of all of us without continuing to sacrifice themselves along the way, which is what most of us have been doing. I'm interested in how you came about to write your book, The Wild Messengers Mm -hmm. Alchemical Tarot, (laughs) and where you came up with the title. I'm sure you'll explain that to us. Yeah, so... The tarot is a really beautiful ancient system of uh, understanding hidden messages. And it's a great way for those of us who are intuitives and highly sensitive folks are among the most intuitive people out there because we're just more tuned in. Um, And that can be for better or for worse. So the tarot is a good way of just getting clear on what it is that we're, we're needing insight around and offering a framework for reflecting that information back. Now, there are a number of different types of empaths out there. And the reason this is relevant is that there are actually animal empaths. And what animal empaths are able to do is to connect with not just physical animals, right? Like a dog or a cat and understand how they're feeling and connect with them at a deeper level, but also animal energy, animal archetypes, animal messages, animal medicine, And I am one of those people. And so when I meet with someone, very often I get a 
clear impression of like, what animal are they or what, what animal would resonate with them and provide them with something that they need, you know, it's like a good kind of antidote to their problems. Mm -hmm. And so I've been working with animal medicine for many, many years. And it became clear a few years ago that that, that that, um, set of insights wasn't just about like giving people readings and kind of just sending people on their way. I wanted to create a way for people to really feel empowered in making these connections and in finding out for themselves, like what does the animal have for them? And so uh, I started to create this tarot deck with my husband and with an artist colleague of ours. The story of the creation of that deck is magical and totally synchronistic and incredible. And it's in the book. If anybody has a chance to pick it up, it's beautiful. And so I created this um, animal overlay onto the tarot also as an update to the tarot because it's, it's gender neutral. It's inclusive. We don't have any of the old traditional names like the priestess and the empress and the emperor. It's more inclusive. It's modernized. So for tarot readers, they're loving it because it's taking the whole entire system, honoring it, but also bringing it into the like current times. Mm -hmm. And then animal lovers love it too, because there's beautiful animal art and the messages run very, very deep. The guidebook is about 370 pages and it's like soul wisdom on a platter in a very easy to digest format. And so one thing I really am passionate about and I want to just draw a parallel to is that when we're mindful, we receive messages. When we are in right relationship with ourselves, we can trust the messages and we can start to create something powerful in our lives. And this is something that the highly sensitive population wants to do so badly and is not currently empowered to do by way of the mainstream approaches to self-improvement and personal development. So there's a lot of common threads that are woven through all these different things that I want people to tune into. So it's not just like, oh, we're going to talk about this and that it's really important to trust the messages. And I think that mindfulness gives us a chance to create a trusted relationship with our own brain, with our own intuition, with our own feelings, so that we can lead lead ourselves somewhere authentic in our lives. And so where does the word alchemical come in? <laughs> um, one of the many paths of studies that I have followed is the hermetic principles of alchemy. And there are seven phases of alchemy and it's not the alchemy of changing lead to gold. It's the alchemy of changing your lower self to your higher self and shedding the illusions along the way that hold you back from your full self-expression. And so throughout the, um, the deck, and in all of the different cards, there is this alchemy woven in of where are you in your transformation process? Are you shedding? Are you growing? Are you refining? Are you crystallizing? Are you unifying? Are you creating? There's all four elements related to the alchemy process, earth, air, water, and fire. And so the four suits of tarot, which are traditionally known as the wands, swords, cups, and pentacles have been replaced with earth, air, water, and fire. So the whole entire deck is like a, a snapshot into the transformation process. That's really what tarot is. It's like, where am I in my journey? Can you please show me what I need to know that I can't already see? 
And so the alchemical tarot is where that that came from. So when you order this book, do you get the cards as well? It's a set. Yeah. So you, set, you can yeah. go to the wildmessengers.com and you'll see that there's the book and the, and the deck and they're not boxed together at this moment because it's the first edition, but there's a beautiful box and it's all holographic and gorgeous. And oh, the nice. cards are textured with snakeskin on the back and we're artists, my husband and I. So we like to make everything beautiful online courses, podcasts, YouTube video, thumbnails, tarot deck, all of it has to be art. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Can you tell us a story of someone that you've helped through your practice, through your coaching Mm. as being an empath? Oh yeah. There's hundreds, hundreds at this point, but one person really comes to mind. And this was a person who did not know at the outset of our coaching that the relationship she was in was a very traditional narcissist empath dynamic and was not able to see that this person was being manipulative toward her doing something that's called gaslighting, which is essentially making you question your reality and your choices and your perspective using just enough fact and your own words against you in order to make you question yourself. And it's very, very, very psychologically damaging. And so this person came into my coaching practice and through the course of working together was able to start to see the patterns of this relationship. And she had created a whole life with this person, bought a house, you know, like was just going to move forward into this life. And I could see her power was just starting to drain away thanks to this dynamic and the way that it plays out. And I told her as part of our coaching, let's take you through empathology, which is my course, which goes through the entire methodology that I developed. And through the course, she was able to disentangle herself from the relationship kindly. She was able to take back her house. She also like completely up-leveled her career and went from being in a position with a company that she did not like at all to being a vice president of a department and completely thriving. Um, Her whole entire life has basically changed because she was empowered to see what was going on for what it was, stop doubting herself, start separating what was hers from what was not hers, stop people-pleasing, set boundaries, ask for what she wanted, learn how to communicate with kindness and basically show up in her life as the total badass that she is. And she had forgotten. And that's just, that's just one of many stories. We've had miracle healing stories, all kinds of things happen because when you start to train the nervous system, there's no part of your physical body, your mental health or your physical life that is not impacted. It's your operating system. And it it truly changes everything to begin to take back the power of how that is operating. So do you spend the majority of your days doing coaching and helping people one-on-one? No, the majority of my days now is actually doing media appearances um, and also teaching our online class. So our, our main focus is empathology at this point because it's got such an impact and we're able to have that impact for you know, anywhere from 20 students to to 500 students, it doesn't matter because it's all there. And so we have this beautiful community container. And I find that that's 
really making such a good use of my energy and my attention. I still have a very few, like very select high-end coaching clients, but for the most part, we're full backing of this, uh, this course because what we're seeing happen in there is astonishing, like frankly, astonishing. <laughs> so why not put our, put our attention there? Yeah, that sounds so exciting. It is. It's so exciting. And your husband is heavily involved in this as well, right? He is. Yeah, he's my business partner. We run the business together and he helps oversee the team. And we've got all kinds of exciting things happening. We're planning for live events once uh, things calm down as a culture, right? But um, it's really an exciting time to be a sensitive soul because it's like our time to shine. And I think more and more people are becoming aware that they're, they're not made to succeed in the way that our society has been training them and they're not made incorrectly. They just need to learn how to optimize themselves in a way that works and doesn't degrade who they are or try to change who they are. And then they can start to define success for themselves in a whole new way and achieve all those milestones that we all want to achieve, but it doesn't have to be done the way that everybody else does them. Right. Lola, I like to ask a question about bullying because I've worked in that Mm. field for a long time. Do you have a story where maybe you were bullied or something like that where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, I have a story where mindfulness did make a difference. I was bullied a lot as a child. You would never know it to look at me these days, but I had a very hard time making friends because I was always a very independent thinker. I was always very sensitive and uh, very, very tuned in. And so I, I would say things that people did not appreciate as a peer when you're young. It's like, you're not supposed to know these things and you're not supposed to act this way. You're not supposed to want to read French, French literature. You're not want to, you, know, you want to like be like everybody else. And I mm-hmm. always refused to be like everybody else. And, uh, and so I got made fun of a lot and I got rejected a lot. And I had kids gang up on me and threaten my friends to stop being friends with me and things like that. And what really pulled me through those times is my mom helping me see that, you know, all you're left with at the end of the day is yourself. And you have to be right with yourself. You have to feel good about who you are inside. And if you can feel good about who you are inside, then they can't win. You know, they can't take that from you unless you let it. And so she would teach me how to basically be mindful of what was I telling myself? Was I allowing these experiences to define in me or not? And I really keep that practice going now. And you get online hate, you get online bullying, you get all kinds of things in your public figure. And it's that backbone of mindfulness that has really enabled me and empowered me to just continue doing the work and showing up and not being afraid and not taking it on and not, not people pleasing anymore and just doing what needs to be done, saying what needs to be said without getting too concerned about what other people think. I'm, I'm most concerned about what I think. Right. And that's a good place to be because it's a challenge when you're, it is. when you're so concerned about what other people think. And most of us are wired that way. We are. It seems. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. It's part of our survival mechanisms from being in our ancient tribal structures. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Lola, as we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? I would say it's Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, that very first Buddhist teacher Mm -hmm. whose books that I read. And 
he wrote a book called Peace is Every Step or Peace in Every Step. I'll have to correct it if I'm wrong, but it really always has stuck with me that our peace is our business and Mm -hmm. it is never not available to us. It just takes the choice and the practice to return to that place and not disempower ourselves along the way to give it away. Right. Okay. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's made me be able to tolerate them (laughs) (laughs) and feel all the feelings without getting lost in them. (laughs) Right. Um, Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Ah, yes. Breathing is huge. Something we all do all the time, right? But we don't do Mm -hmm. it consciously. No. And when I'm having a moment of anxiety or even of panic, breathing is the first and only thing that works to help recenter me. So breathing is like my best friend. And the next question was going to be about a book and you already answered that. And uh, can you share an app which can help people with mindfulness? Yeah, yeah. Insight Timer, the Insight Meditation app. I am on there. I have a few of my meditations on there. For those of you who suffer from anxiety, you can find me on there. Um, But I love that app. You've got so many amazing meditations to choose from and it's free. And what an incredible resource for, for those of us who need that guidance and just those tones or music or whatever it is that we're looking for that day. LolaPickett.com. L-O-L-A-P-I-C-K-E-T-T. LolaPickett.com. What will we find there, Lola? Mm, A refuge for the sensitive soul. Validation for the experiences of feeling like we're too much or not enough. Healing for the people pleaser and the perfectionist and so many resources for navigating these tricky dynamics that we get into as empaths and sensitive souls, whether it's how to parent a highly sensitive child, or why are we so easy to gaslight? Or how come we're so addicted to social media? You know, like all the light and heavy topics are on there because addiction is addiction. And it's something that a lot of us struggle with. So there's, there's just a lot of resources on there at this point. It's a pretty robust site. And you'll also find my podcast and many of my creations on there. Right. And your podcast is called Empath to Power. So yeah, check out Empath to Power Mindful Tribe. That's a great podcast. And uh, do you have any final words of uh, wisdom for Mindful Tribe? Yeah, that our bodies know what they're doing and our brains like to run away. And so if we want to be a good steward of our bodies and trust our bodies, our job is to partner with the brain and to learn how to think better, think differently, not believe everything we think, be the thinker of our thoughts and not just the one who's on autopilot. And that's an opportunity we all have and we can all master it one thought at a time. Beautiful words of wisdom. Thank you, Lola, for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Bruce. My pleasure. All the best to you. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us here on today's episode. Great to have you with us as always. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, you can get on my mailing list if you'd like, or you can sign up for the infographic that I mentioned, Calm Your Busy Mind. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash 
calm, C-A-L-M. And by doing that, I will send you the infographic and put you on my mailing list. Always look forward to hearing from you. Send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And just let me know how you're doing through this pandemic, through this situation, this social distancing. I'd love to hear from you. So remember, stay in the mode, mindfulness mode. See you later.